you know, I've been doing this for 24 years and all I've ever heard was, you know, you cannot legislate private youth athletic organizations. And here we have it in a matter of, you know, months, you know, we had legislation mm. passed within, within a year. So, mm. hey, I'm really proud of that. And if it took, unfortunately, tragedy makes change. And Demars Hamlin was not necessarily what you'd call a tragedy where it ended in death, but still a tragedy nonetheless that he even had to go into cardiac arrest. Yeah. But the outcome was so mm-hmm. different. And welcome to the Pursuit of Health podcast, where we believe that healthcare belongs to everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Vecchi, a practicing pediatric cardiologist and educator. Together, we will explore the many facets of our unique American healthcare system, its strengths, its weaknesses, and what can be done to ensure that it meets its full potential to improve our lives. On each episode, we'll invite a special guest to help us on our journey. We'll learn about the various healthcare settings that these experts come from and the remarkable work they're doing to transform America's health. We'll take the best of what they have to offer so we can all reach for a better healthcare together. So join me now in our pursuit of health. Welcome back, everyone, to the Pursuit of Health podcast. This episode is particularly meaningful to me. I have spent a both intellectually stimulating and emotionally exhausting a weekend with colleagues of mine at the Cardiac Safety Research Consortium at Duke University, and also followed quickly after this back-to-back by the Parent Heart Watch Heart to Heart 19th Annual National Conference. This is a conference that deals with sudden cardiac death in the young, also some adults, but mainly in the young, and the prevention and understanding of this. I have met with the leaders of this from New York and nationally in the past on our podcast, and I'm happy to bring them back so that we can update you all and what has been happening. I will tell you the stories are what motivates everyone to do this work. And whether it has to do with Damar Hamlin on the field, which has raised the awareness of everyone, or the story of a young man on a field playing football as a teenager and collapsing and not surviving because the defibrillator, which is the device that could have shocked him back to life, was not available until the ambulance came with their own despite the fact that the school itself had almost half a dozen of them right there on site and nobody knew. Or another case more recently in the news and the press about a young lady with a known heart condition already at risk who drank a drink that had so much caffeine in it that it provoked her underlying heart problem and she was unaware that she was doing this essentially to herself because the information on the drink was not available. There are so many such stories, and I really am glad that I have our guest today to share those with you and the progress they've made, where they've come from, and where they're going. So sit back and join my guests for this very special episode of the Pursuit of Health podcast. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Pursuit of Health podcast. We're doing something 
which I think is a milestone. We're bringing back the first group of people who met and talked together about a very important topic, the prevention and identification of sudden cardiac death and sudden cardiac arrest, parent heart watch group with three people who become dear friends in the interim. And we're going to sit with them after a wonderful weekend here where we have the parent heart watch uh, heart to heart, everyone getting back together. And we've had the cardiac safety research consortium just before this in the think tank. Our minds are going and I thought we would share some of our ideas with you all. So welcome everyone. Thank you. So we've got Karen Akampora from Lewis Akampora Foundation, Martha Lopez Anderson from Parent Heart Watch, and Melinda Murray from the Dominic Murray 21 Foundation. And I think what I want to ask you all is a real basic question. What are you proud about in your areas in terms of what has been achieved since we last sat down a couple of years ago? So why don't we go around the table? We'll start with Melinda. A lot has been accomplished, I would say, on um, the screening end of it. Um, the importance of screening, uniformity of screening, and how we're, we're screening not just athletes, but non-competitive athletes, actually all children. And that's, that's critical, how we're doing the screening, diagnosing what's come out of the screenings. We've come a long way on that piece of it. That's wonderful. So a lot more consistency, and I, I do see that in the group, the kind of the sense that people are all actually asking that question. You know, how can we all do it more similar to each other and how should we be doing it? It's a really mm-hmm. common question. All right. So Martha, you guys are all running around knowing how you have the energy to be sitting here, but hopefully it's just a nice time to reflect. What are you most proud of? And there's a lot of things to be proud of, but in the past couple of years that you'd like our audience to know about. Well, I mean, our members across the country have been doing amazing work, both on heart screening, so early detection, but also about preparedness. So CPR, AED training, AED placements. And actually, this weekend, we announced, you know, some pretty amazing numbers, over a million Mm. kids screened across the country. And so um, with everything that's happening, but... I think that something happened last year that caught the attention of people that have not been personally touched by sudden cardiac arrest. And so let's just say the spotlight is on our cause. And so legislation, for example, last year, the amount of legislation that was introduced across the country regarding AEDs, regarding cardiac emergency response planning, screenings, it was unbelievable. And I shared earlier today say 56 bills, understanding that, you know, two bills have to be introduced, one in the House and the Senate. So 28 on the same topic. And uh, of those 12 have already been enacted. Mm-hmm. And and we expect a lot of legislation to be introduced. Some has been pre-filed. So 2024, I think, is going to be a year to remember um, mm-hmm. regarding legislation for the prevention of sudden cardiac arrest and death in the young. So if people are reading in between the lines, Martha's talking about the Damar Hamlin incident. That's and, right. and absolutely the, the sense that after all the groundwork that you have all done, there's a combination of, wait, we've been doing this. I'm glad people know this. But all of a sudden, the expectation is that there may be a ramping up and, a, and the curve may go quickly up on a lot of things that you have put into place for years that maybe we're not going to move as fast and your hope is that they'll be moving faster at this point. Yeah, and, and one thing also that happened is because of Damar Hamlin's event 
initiatives, new initiatives have been launched. Collaborations that weren't happening before are more AEDs are, you know, being placed at schools and, and youth serving organizations, uh, more CPR and AED training being facilitated. And so a lot is happening because of that event, which was happening before, but now more people are paying attention. Right. And it is, we discussed this in many ways amongst ourselves and with our colleagues from other countries. It's it's how we work. It's how we roll. We may not be happy with it sometimes, but it is the nature of how things happen here that it, sometimes it needs that catalyst, that push. Yeah, right. And we're going to take advantage of that. Yeah, let's do it. And Karen, what in the past couple of years would you say jumps out at you in terms of uh, your work, something you're proud of? Well, I, you know, I'd like to go back to the Damar Hamlin incident and Honestly, and I'll talk specifically in our New York area, it really was a catalyst for change in our area. In our screening program, Hearts Free New York, in our legislative efforts, Hearts Free New York alone, we have now 15 schools that have that I've put on a wait list. And mm-hmm. we've never had that before. We've always been the one knocking on the school door. And we have actually parents contacting us. So I think that the awareness in not just in New York, but around the country is like people are like waking up and thinking about these things and then getting back to in our area, the New York area, youth athletic organizations were not required to have AEDs or cardiac emergency response plans. But now New York State has legislation that was passed in September or October, and now they have 180 days from then to have an AED on the field, cardiac emergency response plans, and trained coaches. So that's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been doing this for 24 years, and all I've ever heard was, you know, you cannot legislate private youth athletic organizations. And here we have it in a matter of, you know, months. You know, we had legislation mm-hmm. it's passed within a, within a year, so, hey, I'm really proud of that. And if it took, unfortunately, tragedy makes change. And DeMars Hamlin was not necessarily what you call a tragedy where it ended in death, but still a tragedy nonetheless that he even had to go into cardiac arrest. Yeah. But the outcome was so mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. So. I think in many ways, the, the way I've seen this, what you've done and watched all your work over the years is is kind of like planting seeds and watering them for a while. And they're starting to bear fruit now. And all of a sudden, somebody put, you know, miracle grow on them. (laughs) But they wouldn't have been there if you hadn't already done all that planting. And I think that's the thing that a lot of the families are feeling, almost the frustration. Well, why now? I've been doing all this for so long. We hear that over and over. And I think your take on it is, well, we'll take it when it comes. But... There's no way that anybody would be able to do that. Damar would not be alive to do this if you hadn't laid and planted those seeds in the first place. If you had just walked away and left that ground barren, nothing would have been there for him. Mm-hmm. And now it's coming back full circle. I mean, that's, it's a wonderful that's a story. And that's a statement that I think we can all appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really is. Because I think you're really right about that. Especially... I'm going to say mm-hmm. with the incidents of Komodo Cordis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that might have been brushed over had, you know, a lot of right. talk not 
free talk about commodio cordis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would think also when it happens to someone in the spotlight, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. it draws more attention to it. Mm-hmm. However, we all know, and, and many parents here and, and, you know, physicians and medical experts can say it's not new. We all know it's not new, but the spotlight is on it. And as, as Karen said, we'll take it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we'll grow it even further than what we laid the groundwork for. But we all know it's not new. We all know that it's not rare. Yeah. Um, but because it happened to like the DeMar Hamlins and the Bronnie James, it actually hasn't come out with, like with a big kaboom and deflated as we're used to seeing it when, mm-hmm. a, when a child like ours collapses on the court or on the field. It didn't die down. Mm. It's still there. So I actually am, you know, happy that Demars continued to use his voice because we've been using our voice for years, and we haven't deflated. But so the limelight goes down yeah. after a while. But it's still there at this bar, and I think it's the groundwork of the the foundations and the families who are really on the ground, boots on the ground, to keep it elevated, mm-hmm. so Demar can continue to use that voice. Mm. Wonderful point. So with that in mind, the next question I want to ask is what's still in the way? Maybe some of the thing, these things because of this will fall out of the way. Maybe some of that, those hurdles that you saw will not be as big to climb. That'd be another wonderful outcome from this. But they're still there. And we see it. We hear it with some of the families still. And together, adding a new team member, so to speak, whether it's the NFL or the public at large, but what are the things that you want people to know are still in the way and preventing you from doing what you're doing? I would have to say that a big hurdle is, you know, I think that people think that throwing money at an organization say, okay, you know, I've, and I've heard it like, oh, let me just get an AED, you know, and I've solved the problem. But they haven't really solve the problem. They're just throwing money at it. I don't think that they're really considering all the aspects with the cardiac emergency response plans, succession plan down the line Mm -hmm. that, okay, you know, this is my little league, but my kid is only going to be in this league for the next two years. You're the safety officer. Who's going to do it next? Have you really developed a good plan? And then when you look at the school population or wherever AEDs are mandated, like in New York State, they're mandated now. Who's going to police that? Who's going to make sure that, okay, this little league has to have an AED? Who's going to actually make sure that they have it? Because it'll be forgotten in a few years. And I I don't really, I don't want that to happen. And there are groups that are specifically geared and become really good at making sure that doesn't happen. There are, but certainly not enough. I think we have to think of a way of um, regulating and, you know, having oversight of of these AEDs and the laws and everything that we're putting out there to make sure that they're doing it like they're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. it. And if you think about it, I mean, a lot of this little leagues, for example, mm-hmm. they have to have certain insurance. Parents have to pay an amount for their children to be insured while they're playing in that league. Well, can there be something in place to ensure that there's also an AED and people prepared, trained to use that AED mm-hmm. and deliver CPR. I just think that it's about priorities, right? Mm-hmm. People, unfortunately, don't realize it's it's important 
until a tragedy occurs. Mm-hmm. And, and it shouldn't be that way. Right. And I will say that sometimes, you know, parents assume, they assume that their little league or whatever it may be, may be prepared, ready, and they're not. And so I, the message is don't assume, make mm-hmm. sure. And these are things that are still hurdles that you're facing. And school districts. I mean, you have school districts that have AEDs. We see the Matthew Mangin case. I mean, they, we saw a slide today. There was six or seven AEDs, one really right next to the field. That young man died with no one going to get the AED. Yep. It was right there in the, in the gym. And I think, I mean, they had the AEDs, and that's one part of the equation, right? Yeah. So having a plan, a cardiac emergency response plan that's written, mm-hmm. right? Well practice, mm-hmm. and they also have to update it annually mm-hmm. because people change jobs, mm-hmm. you know, something happens. So that is the only way, and it has to be front and center, just like they do fire drills, fire drills mm-hmm. shooting drills, just like that. Yeah, just the like same, that. same importance that needs to be given. So these are still to be done. And yes. for you, I what think, would you say? I think Melinda? a huge hurdle. And Karen and I have faced this in New York State after, you know, Dominic's law was passed. The fact that they still think the mindset that sudden cardiac arrest is rare Mm -hmm. is the most huge hurdle of all. And those who are in place to protect our children, in our case, the education system, it's like moving mountains just to get them to recognize that sudden cardiac arrest is not rare. To change the wording. I mean... One word rare could really impact anything else that comes right after it because you assume it's rare and it's not. We know it's not rare. Well, I mean, I think that even medical professionals, I mean, I've I've read a lot of research articles and when it relates to sudden cardiac arrest or death, in the second or third sentence of those research articles, the word rare will will appear. In my opinion, that only perpetuates, right, people's thinking it's rare. So I don't need to worry about it. And that needs to be changed because how can we say it's rare? Mm-hmm. How? What are we basing this on? And so I think it's just, we don't want to scare people, but we certainly don't want to minimize the impact mm-hmm. of sudden cardiac arrest. Well, I think that the points that you all feel, I think everybody feels them very emotionally, these issues that are still in the way. And to summarize them, It's the sense, the big one, the sense of getting some true numbers still. That's what the whole process of Mm -hmm. the think tank was. That's what Dr. Idris is working on so that we can really say to people, you know, don't make that value judgment based on what you think is a number that may not be correct that we don't even know. Mm -hmm. Because what you're doing is now using that as an excuse for not moving forward or making decisions or you know, making value judgments, essentially, that this is not important. This is not worthwhile mm-hmm. investing in because it's rare. Yet we still don't know those numbers. And we've seen this time and time again in healthcare where we would do that, not put resources towards it. And then we found out we were wrong. So the biggest hurdle is still to get those numbers, mm-hmm. to get the data out there and to truly be able to use that to justify and say, scratch that word. Here's mm-hmm. the number. And I think I've seen over and over again over the years that number creep up and change. Mm-hmm. 
and get tighter. And the numbers, even at these presentations, are different today than they were even a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Even the most striking one I saw was what we thought was the number one killer mm -hmm. overall. But when we put non-athletes into the mix and we mm -hmm. looked abroad, we saw, wait, it wasn't hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. It's, all, it's arrhythmias. Yeah. Oops, we were wrong. Uh -huh. If we had, you haven't been doing this work, that wouldn't even have come up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, so making decisions because we know mm -hmm. is a very bad precedent for making policy decisions. Yeah. We know based on what. That's what you're asking. And I think that the liability issue, therefore, would disappear because the numbers is always a liability game mm -hmm. for people. Mm -hmm. The value thing should be not because it's worth it, but because it's the right thing to do. Well, maybe we'll get over that mm -hmm. with a number thing, too. And that's still some of the attitudes that you are all facing. But in summary, in many ways, would you all agree that the hardest thing to do is perhaps do what you're starting to see, which is the future. Mm -hmm. And that the future could be that you hand this off and this grows. And your biggest fear, which perhaps you weren't even close enough to see before, was I may need to let someone else tend this garden. It may grow to the point where I know how it should be done and other people will, but will they water it? Will they keep it going? Will they keep devices running? Will they do the advanced planning programs? Will they do this? Can I let this go yet? Well, the fact that you can even be worried about that is an achievement, mm. I think, compared I to where you were. Mm -hmm. so, Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We didn't think that. We thought, yeah. well, we'll be doing this forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you, Martha. Hopefully, we'll come back in a couple more years and thank we'll you. be having that conversation about the numbers going up as we anticipate. Yes. And uh, whether or not you've uh, been able, all of you involved and a lot of the people out here this weekend, will they trust the next generation to take the torch? Thank you. Well, it's very clear that we've come a long way, and this is because of a partnership and a force of public opinion and people who have basically, in my mind, become the heroes that they have become advocates because of tragedy. They decided not to step back from life, but to promote life. Again, these are very powerful stories, and we've come a long ways from the days when Hank gathers on the field collapsed and nobody knew what to do, to the time now where DeMar Hamlin survives this and becomes a spokesperson for all of us and this cause. Clearly, sudden cardiac death is not as rare as originally thought, and the data and the numbers of cases are being opened to the light because of the work of people like my guests. This has been a very important podcast. I am very thrilled that we're able to come back and bring this to you all. We look forward to your opinion in this regard on this podcast, past podcasts, or any future topics that you would like to cover. We can be reached at uh, Eric Fetke, M-D, that's E-R-I-C-F-E-T-H-K-E-M-D.com. That is our new website. And we look forward to seeing you there or on Facebook. Also, please know that many of these discussions and topics are covered in my new book, The Privilege of Caring, A Doctor's Urgent Call to Heal the U.S. Healthcare System, which is now out on Amazon and Kindle. Until next time, I'm Dr. Fetke, and I wish you well 
all in your perseverance, your pursuits for those causes, such as sudden cardiac death in this case, that are important to you.